This is going to be part five of our series, Abiding in Christ, which has been so much fun for me to talk about and, and for us to practice together. I talk to people during the week, and I know some of us, we get a little bit bashful here on Sundays, but there's so many good things going on, and people are coming and saying, Jeff, I'm trying this, and I've never done it before, but this is the way that I feel God is speaking to me. Or I used to do this all the time, and I'm trying to rediscover what I lost years ago, and God is speaking to them and, and helping them understand him better, and they're, and they're drawing close to God through their daily devotions. So if you haven't started these things for yourself Start them. What are you waiting for? Okay, because we're going to keep asking. We're going to keep bringing attention to this because this is the most important thing in our lives. Faith in Jesus and then connecting with him on a daily basis. We talked about that in part one of this series, but these are the things that we're going to continue to talk about because it just is that important. So if you were here last week, you, uh, you probably remember that we talked about 14 reasons why we don't hear God's voice. And, and there were some reasons, I think, that were pretty common to some of us, and, and some of them may have come as a surprise, but we could probably all relate to at least one of them. Today, we're going to look at reason number 15. Now, one thing that all of these reasons have in common is that they can be addressed by us intentionally abiding in Christ. Nurturing our connection to God opens up the lines of communication. And I think that we will see today that reason number 15 is no exception. As we, as we spend more time with God, these reasons for why we don't hear his voice will be defeated in our lives because we are abiding more in the spirit of Jesus Christ. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into reason number 15 here right away. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the testimony of your people. We thank you, Lord, that as we have sat down and we have looked into your word, We've spent time in prayer or we've tried to hear your voice and ask you questions. You have been a faithful God where your word has been alive and powerful, where our prayers have been heard by you because you lend your ear to us and where we can hear your voice because you say that we are like your sheep. We know your voice and we follow you. Father God, you are so amazing in the fact that you do these things for us and we praise you and we honor you for that. Jesus, as, as we still are learning on this journey, what it means to sit down daily and connect with you, I pray against discouragement. I pray against doubt. I pray against fear or apathy. I pray against excuses and procrastination. Father God, none of those things are from you. None of those things are from your spirit. But instead, power, love, and self-discipline are from your spirit. We pray that you would give us as a church a spirit of power because your power is in us. We pray that you would give us a spirit of love because we've experienced your love and now we want to reciprocate that. And we also pray, Father God, for a spirit of self-discipline, that we would not just come to church on Sundays, forget about you for six days, and then come back and need to be reminded of who you are. But instead, Lord, we would so consistently, with self-discipline, connect with you on a daily basis, that you are so alive in our lives. Lord Jesus, I pray that for any one of us who is struggling today, I pray that we would not feel guilt. That's not what this is about. But instead, we would feel conviction. Your conviction is good. It never feels good in the moment to be disciplined, but we see in the Bible that it says that discipline is good because it yields a harvest of right living. Father, that's what we want. 
We want to experience that harvest of right living, but we can't do it without connecting with you. So Father, please, tomorrow morning when we wake up, I want you to be the first thing on our hearts and our minds. Steal away the thoughts of the day. Steal away the pressures and the stress. And I pray that we would focus on you. Speak to us, Jesus. Fill our lives with the spiritual nourishment that we need to be the people who give you honor and glory in all that we do. Amen. All right. So here we are. Reason number 15. I've heard people during the week, they're so curious about what it is. We even had visitors from out of state that all they could think of is, what is reason number 15? You have the luxury of being here. So here it is. Reason number 15, why we struggle to hear God's voice is that we're listening for a loud rather than a quiet voice. So all of us do this from time to time. We hope for some obvious, miraculous display, some big, booming voice from the sky that just rattles our eardrums that we can't miss. That's what we hope for. But unfortunately, or fortunately, depends on how you look at it, and I think you'll see why we say fortunately here by the end of this message, God doesn't usually speak like that. So we're going to look here at Elijah's experience with hearing God's voice, and maybe we'll learn a thing or two. So Elijah, the prophet from the Old Testament, he was hiding in a cave on Mount Horeb when God told him to stand at the, on the mountain because God was about to pass by. Okay, so basically he's saying, hey, Elijah, pay attention. I'm going to interact with you right here, right now. So we pick up the story from this experience in 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 13. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but... The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So you see, this is, this is amazing. All these great, you know, majestic displays of God's power, wind, earthquake, fire, yet the Lord was not in those things. He was in the gentle whisper. We need to realize, friends, that God seldom raises his voice, okay? Though the world may make noise, God does not make himself heard simply by yelling louder and louder to be above all the noise. Rather, God speaks in a whisper and only those who are willing to become still and quiet will be able to hear him. I think that's marvelous. The Psalms encourage us to be still and quiet. This is a common theme throughout scripture, but especially in Psalms, it shows up. Psalm 46 verse 10 simply says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 62 1 says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. So to be still and to be quiet are clearly God's way. This is how he communicates. Not through boosting the volume, not through bigger and bigger displays of his power because we're too busy ignoring him and we need him to break into our lives. But he says, be still and quiet and listen for my voice. I'm speaking, but you need to pay attention and listen. So if we think about this, if Satan were to try to prevent us 
from hearing God, wouldn't he try to fill our lives with the exact opposite of stillness and quiet? Wouldn't he fill our lives with things like busyness, chaos, noise, and distraction? I can see all of those things threatening my quiet time or my life. Can you see those things in your life? We probably all can. We're all way too busy in 2019. That's just a symptom of the culture that we live in. Think about this. Two of the most common sources of overwhelm today are fear and anxiety. Those two emotions, when they are functioning at their worst or or affecting us the most, they whip us into a panic-filled frenzy where it is extremely difficult to be still and quiet. Fear and anxiety don't allow us to sit still because they take us away from stillness and quietness, making us think that we need to address all the issues and all the tumultuous situations that are in our lives in that moment. They say, don't stop, don't rest. You have to go, go, go. You have to get these things done. That's what the ploys of Satan are in our life. They, they steal us away from stillness and quietness. Now, although it is natural to feel fear, and it is normal to feel anxious at times, it becomes a hindrance when fear and anxiety begin to direct our lives. When fear and anxiety direct our lives, they have stolen control away from God. And God is the one, as Christians, who we would say is meant to direct our lives. It is important, friends, that we are living by faith and not by fear. Now, faith isn't the absence of fear, okay? Faith is the choice to follow Jesus despite our fear or our lack of understanding. That's basically the whole point of this series, learning to operate by faith and not giving in to the fears or the pressures or the stress that this life has heaped onto us. The key to living by faith and not by fear is learning to stay connected with God. That's what it means to abide, to stay connected. We remain with Christ. We remain connected with him. We don't just have a connection on Sunday mornings and hope that that's going to be enough to sustain us the rest of the week. We remain connected by abiding in Christ seven days a week. So when we stay connected with him, when we have a solid connection with Jesus that lasts, what happens is is that his peace God's peace ministers to us in a way that surpasses even our understanding. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. When you do that, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. Or Christ Jesus, however you want to say it. So Paul is encouraging us not to worry, not to be anxious, not to be afraid, not to be fearful about anything. But in replace of those, we, we, we turn back to God by thanking him and praying to him instead. When we do those things consistently, when we thank God and we pray to him, God and his peace will guard our hearts and our minds from being stolen away by fear and anxiety. Isn't that brilliant? How simple that is. When we connect with God through prayer and thanksgiving, he shrouds us in his peace so that the ploys of the world to take us away from Christ, they just don't work. They fall down at our feet dead because the power of the peace of Jesus Christ is in our lives. So don't, worry, or don't focus on the worry 
or what is making you anxious. Instead, focus on Jesus through thanksgiving and prayer. Now, the world's peace, if we think about peace by the definition of the world, it can only be experienced when we are living conflict-free. But God's peace goes beyond our understanding because it can follow us right into the midst of prolonged chaos or prolonged conflict. But we still live with hope in that conflict because we are connected to the vine. And when we're connected to the vine, Jesus, his peace flows through us. In those moments that we are connected to the God of peace, even when chaos is all around us, we feel that somehow things will be okay. Now, about five years ago... um, my father-in-law, Karen's dad, was, was battling cancer, and, and it, was, it wasn't going well. It was interesting to watch, from my perspective, how Karen and her family and, and those who knew Gary the longest were dealing with this. Like, this is a chaotic time. If there's a time for conflict or a lack of peace, it's when you are losing a loved one far too early. But it was amazing to watch my wife. She was a testimony of the peace of God in her life. When, when things finally uh, climaxed and, and Gary breathed his last and slipped away into the presence of Jesus, it was, it was a difficult time to say the least for everybody. But Karen displayed peace because she clung to God. Now, her family's Christians. I'm not saying that they're not or anything like that. But I saw something in Karen. I saw a special application of God's peace in her life that I said, wow, that's exactly what I read about in Scripture. How does the peace of God minister to us in times of chaos? Because it's beyond our understanding. If the peace is only by, in a way that we can comprehend, it's a peace that we can't access very much. But because it's a peace that goes beyond anything we can, we can define or put, a, put our finger on, it's God's peace. That's when it's supernatural and it works in our lives in supernatural ways. So we know why we need to be quiet, okay? Because God speaks to us most commonly in a gentle whisper, and that's how his peace enters our lives. But how? How do we become still so that we can hear God speaking to us? That's the next question that we need to ask this morning. Now, before I had what I would consider a a reasonably solid devotion life, I can remember needing to hear from God about one thing or another, and I would go directly from a chaotic, stressful time over to trying to hear God and, and understand his direction for my life in that moment. And you can imagine going directly from chaos to quietness, how little I heard from God. Because this chaos, it followed me in to these moments where I tried to be quiet. So because I was so frustrated by this, instinctively, praise the Lord, I started to try to just relax and take a deep breath just so that my mind would have a chance to slow down so that I wouldn't go from 100 miles an hour one second to trying to hear this gentle whisper of our Savior the next second. I needed to decelerate, essentially, and just be quiet for a moment first. Let faith reassert itself so that fear wasn't what was directing me in that moment of life. 
the more I needed to hear from God, the more I found myself seeking quiet places. Even in working at church, I would leave my office, I'd leave the phone, I would get out of a place where anyone could interrupt me, even if I had just gone to the sanctuary because no one had an office in there, and I would just sit with the Lord and try to be quiet and say, Lord, I really need to be quiet here because I need to hear your voice. Sometimes I'd go out to the bush and I'd find a place in God's creation where nothing else was around, and I could just concentrate on him. Even in trying to hear God's voice with other people, when we would be together, I would guide us towards spending at least 30 seconds to a minute just being silent so that we could be calm before him before we would try to hear God answer any of our questions. So that was an instinct that God gave me, and I'm so thankful for that. But years later, someone introduced me to a tool that I want to share with you today that basically was exactly what I just explained, but it kind of gives us a step-by-step so that we can all try this out together. This tool is called STAR. It's a very simple exercise, and it's an acronym that helps us to understand how we can quiet ourselves to be in a better position to hear God's voice. Basically, it's us trying to reconnect with the faith that we have in God so that once again, fear isn't the thing that is manipulating us or controlling our thoughts and stealing us away from the voice of God. So let's go through this STAR acronym uh, letter by letter. The first letter there, S, stands for STOP, which just means very simply, don't fix the problem, don't fix the person, don't fix the situation, stop what you're doing. Science has shown that when we are tired or when we're experiencing overwhelm, certain parts of our brain actually begin to reduce in capacity and we do not function properly anymore. When that happens, our ability uh, greatly decreases to make moral choices, to think creatively, to connect relationally with others, and that includes God, Or we also lose the ability to empathize and make wise, critical choices. When overwhelm happens, we can't access these relationships that we have all around us. Now, this probably isn't a surprise when we examine moments in our lives where we have made poor choices, where we've struggled with sin, where we've displayed emotional outbursts, really dramatic highs or dramatic lows, or where we've isolated ourselves from God and others. So right before we behave poorly, we are usually tired or overwhelmed or some combination of the, of the two. When we are physically exhausted, we simply need to sleep. And, and sometimes we have the luxury of doing that. But if it's 10 in the morning and you're at work, we can't just take a quick nap because our boss might get upset. So the rest of the time, what we can do is follow the instructions that Scripture gives us to stay connected with the peace of God. And the first step in connecting with that peace is to, and overcoming this fear, overwhelm, and anxiety is to simply stop. Stop what you're doing. Excuse yourself from a stressful meeting to say, hey, I got to use the the men's room or the women's room or I got to answer a quick phone call, whatever you have to say, but then just stop. Excuse yourself from the moment so that you can reset. We need to learn in our culture that not everything needs to be fixed right away. Most things can wait at least a minute or two or even longer for us to stop and make sure we are connected to the Lord before we act on that situation. 
When we insist on fixing the problem or the people that are in front of us right now, we almost certainly end up trying to control or manipulate the person or the situation just to minister to us in our overwhelm. We get people to do what we want so that we will not feel stressed anymore. But that's not God's way. The same is true if we run from problems and people that are causing stress on us. If we don't address them with God or if we run away from them without turning to the Lord, it's a bad deal no matter how way you slice it. So in either case, we miss out on whatever God is trying to do in that situation simply because we haven't stopped to reconnect with him. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. The first step to walking in faith and not responding to fear is making sure we are connected to Jesus and not making our decisions based on fear, anxiety, and overwhelm. So to do this, again, we need to stop. The second letter here in our acronym STAR is the letter T, which stands for TAKE. So after we've stopped, we are supposed to take a breather and just calm down. How many times have you told that to your kids? <laughs> Absolutely. As parents, we say, hey, take a deep breath. It's just a few M&Ms. We can get some more or whatever it is, right? Because anxiety and overwhelm, they, they grip hold of us. So we need to stop and take a breather and just calm down. In our Western culture... Being still and quiet is not something that we practice regularly. In fact, many people, for some reason, we feel shame if we aren't busy all the time. We think that being constantly busy is a sign of value for some reason. Sadly, this leads many people to burnout. We are not supposed to be busy all the time, okay? I'm giving you permission to say no to things at work. Maybe don't say no to your husband or wife if they're asking you to help them out with something, but just say, yeah, for sure, I will help you. Can you give me five minutes? Right? Those are okay to do. So, for example, if I were to go to the gym and lift 15-pound dumbbells, they wouldn't feel very heavy, okay? Uh, it would feel like I could lift those all day long. 15 pounds, no problem, baby, I can do that. But eventually, if I was going for an hour, whew, that could start to feel pretty heavy. Those 15 pounds could feel like 30 pounds. Those 30 pounds would then feel like 50. And eventually, if I didn't stop and I was doing this all day, they may as well feel like 1,000 pounds because all of my strength has been given to lifting this weight and I couldn't lift it anymore. It would no longer make me stronger. In fact, I would probably be causing damage to my body because I didn't stop. Too many Christians do exactly this. They keep themselves so busy that they miss out on times of quiet and silence and stillness before the Lord. Is there anything more important in our lives as followers of Christ than to stay connected with him? And we wonder why we feel so stressed. And we wonder why we don't hear God's voice. And we wonder why my walk with Christ has plateaued and I'm not growing anymore. It's because we haven't stopped to take a breather, to just relax in the stillness and the quietness of God. We are not meant to just go, go, go. We're more like a rechargeable battery. We need rest. God even rested on the seventh day and no one looks down on him. And he has commanded his people that's us. He has commanded us to rest as well. We've already heard today Psalm 46 verse 10 that says, Be still and know that I am God. We have to calm down in order to be still. 
This is how we begin to set our minds on Christ by taking that breath and calming down. Isaiah thirty fifteen. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. Rest, quietness, and confidence in God is our strength. Not just fighting harder and harder to fix the issue in front of us. Not just working more and more. That's actually the exact opposite of what we should do. Psalm 131 verse 2. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. This is King David writing and he understood the value of calming and quieting his soul before God. So part of learning to practice quiet is having scheduled times with the Lord where we practice being still and meditating on scripture. Basically, our daily devotion time that we've been talking about through this whole series is an excellent place to practice being calm. In moments of anxiety and stress and conflict and overwhelm, which can even happen to us during our daily devotion time, we can practice quietness by exercising self-control over our bodies. We can have self-control over our bodies when we say, hang on a sec, breathing. You're not going to ramp out of control. I'm in control. We're going to take some long, deep breaths. We're going to calm down. Simply taking a few minutes to be still, relaxing our body, and just breathing is often enough. That's what it takes to just calm down. Like I said, we tell our kids when they're, when they're throwing a tantrum, we say, hey, calm down. Just take a deep breath. Things will be okay. And it works for us too. But sometimes we're the only ones who can tell ourselves that. The simple act of doing nothing else but breathing helps our minds to begin to slow down. Taking a breather and calming down will do much to, or make it much easier to engage our hearts in the next step of this STAR acronym. So we've had STOP, we've had TAKE, and now we have A for APPRECIATE. It means appreciate and connect to Jesus. Once we have stopped and taken a breath to calm down, we are ready for the best way to enter into God's presence through worship. Just this morning, Karen and I, we've had a busy week. It's been fun. It's been exhilarating. But at the same time, man, there's stresses that come. There's pressures. It's like, okay, we want to ramp up for this. We got to get ready. Don't forget that. Oh yeah, we're doing this too. We've committed to this and it's been great. But when we sat here this morning and we were ready to practice worship, oh, it was just good to stop and breathe. And as we did that, and then we entered into a time of, of just prayer, we just went back and forth thanking God for different things. Man, did that help. We reconnected, and it was so good. It's so beneficial for us. Psalm 100 verse 4 speaks to exactly this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give him thanks. Bless his name. That's how we connect with Jesus, through praise and thanksgiving. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. When we focus on Jesus and the good things that he has done for us, the good things that he's provided us with, we find that our hearts begin to change. It's important here to recognize that saying we are thankful, just saying those words is very different from actually feeling appreciation and gratitude for something. I could go up to any one of you and say, I love you. But it wouldn't mean anything if I actually felt that I loved you. 
See how there's a difference between words and the heart that goes behind the words? We can stay, we, when we, or we can stay overwhelmed and we can even say thank, that we're thankful for a few things in that moment and continue to be just as dry when we first started that time of being thankful. But when we stop first and then calm down and then begin to focus on Jesus by being thankful, that's when we'll notice a shift. I can't go from extreme stress to extreme gratitude. There's a process of deceleration and distancing myself from the stress before my gratitude can begin to even minister to me when I'm offering it to God. Especially as we focus on why the things uh, or why we're thankful for the things that we're thankful for, why we feel that those things are meaningful to us. That's when thankfulness really begins to take root. You know, in in my life, in my devotions, I've noticed a pattern where towards the end of the week, you know, if a few surprise appointments have popped up and it's it's all good, but, you know, it's like, oh, boy, I still got to get a message done, all these things towards Thursday or Friday. I'll begin to start to feel a little bit tired. Maybe just a slight bit of overwhelm begins to creep in. And I want to sit down in my daily devotions and engage with God. I still want to learn from him and grow with him. But I I feel like, oh, Lord, I am exhausted. I get there in the morning. I still try to get up early. I still try to do my thing with him. But I'm like, Lord, I got nothing. But I say, Lord, I I know that I need to slow down. I need to calm down. And I need to start to engage with you. And as as I just sit for 30 seconds before I start to do anything, and then I start to praise God and thank him in my prayer journal, Lord, thank you for... The birds that were singing in the trees. You know, I just think of the first thing that I could experience that morning. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's good. That is God's creation. Yeah, Lord, thank you that you do have creation, actually. I mean, we don't sit around and appreciate it as much as we should. Thank you, Lord, that you even lead us to moments where we, we stop and marvel at who you are. And Lord, thank you that when we marvel at who you are, we reconnect with you. And like, boom, four sentences in, all of a sudden, oh, Lord, here you are. I found you again. Thank you for making yourself known to me simply by me saying thank you. It's so good when God does this. So we find that our overwhelm begins to go away and our heart begins to warm up again. Thoughts become clearer uh, uh, from these places of, of darkness because we're, we're re-engaging with places of light. Prayer and hearing God begin to flow a lot easier as we reconnect with Jesus through thanksgiving. Interestingly, Science has found that focusing on what we are thankful for actually causes uh, these areas of our brain that we mentioned before that start to shut down when we experience stress and overwhelm. Thankfulness and gratitude help those areas of our brain to re-engage. It is fascinating that science actually proves what scripture says is true. It's not that we're competing, we're competing with science. Science is doing us a lot of favors by showing us brain activity and says, oh, look at that. This frontal lobe has just re-engaged again because thankfulness has become part of who they are. So through worship, like we sing at the beginning of a service, we have an easier time of making moral choices, thinking creatively, connecting relationally with God and others, and empathizing and making wise and critical choices. It is incredible to see how God helps us to re-engage. This is how we are made to live and interact with God. And then once we have entered God, God's presence through praise, we are better able to hear from him and receive direction from our current situation. And that leads us to our fourth letter, which is R for respond. 
So we respond. Once we've reconnected with Jesus and we ask him a question, we respond in faith and love. We do the right thing. We obey the direction that we receive from God. Once we've reconnected with God and his peace and and have received his heart and direction for the situation that we're facing, that one that was trying to overwhelm us, and then we reconnect with God, hear his voice directing us, then we respond with obedience. If we are to live a life of faith and not be controlled by our fears, it means that we must be living a life as an obedient servant. We listen to God. We trust what he says even sometimes when it's beyond our understanding, and then we take steps to obey what we heard him say. In some situations, this may mean that God is going to lead us to uh, ask that we forgive and let go of something that's, that's holding us or has a root of bitterness deep in our heart. Maybe this means that sometimes instead of responding to someone in overwhelm and just lashing out at them, we come to them and we confront them with gentleness and grace and we deal with the issue instead of sweeping it under a rug and just pretending like everything's okay. Because being a coward is not what God has given us a spirit to do. He's given us a spirit of power and love. In prayer, we may just have to choose to trust God. Maybe that's what he's leading us to do when we're overwhelmed and we can't get the answer that we think we want to hear. We just need to relax and say, okay, Lord, I hear what you're saying. I'm willing to go with this. Whatever the direction we receive, we respond in faith by obeying and making sure that we always respond with a loving heart as we represent Christ in all of our actions and deeds. Now, we've gone through this star tool today. It's just a tool. It is not a a secret formula. And if everyone follows it, our lives are going to be perfect, okay? It's not like that at all. Maybe you already have a way that's, that's really functioning well for you and helping you to reconnect with Jesus after stressful moments. If you have something already that's working, God bless you. Use it. Use it daily. But if you don't have something, star is here for you so that you can have something that will help you to reconnect with Jesus. Because we all have stress, but we all need to reconnect with our Savior. So the big thing is today is that we need to be able to be still and quiet before our Lord so that we can hear that gentle whisper. So our challenge for this week is very simple. Be consistent with daily devotions. Friends, if you have not started, today is when consistency starts. Maybe you think, well, all the other days of the week, I'm not going to be starting to read my Bible in the afternoon. I don't care, and neither should you. If you feel conviction in your heart right now, it would actually be better for you to race home and not greet a single person or go out for lunch. It would be better for you to race home while you have this conviction, open up your Bible, and tell God how sorry you are that you've been missing out on all the all the generosity that he wants to give you in your life. God will respond to that sort of heart. Respond to him. Give him something, but be consistent. And if, and if during these devos this week you want to try incorporating star, do it. If you have a moment during your day where it's like, oh my goodness, my job is getting to me all over again, reconnect. Your savior has something he wants to say in that moment. Keep listening for God's voice. Keep practicing hearing what he has to say. And my offer again is this. If you aren't having success in these things, or if the struggle is real, talk to me. I love nothing better than to spend time with our church, 
one-on-one, two-on-one, whatever, where we can practice these things together. I know it, always, it doesn't always lend itself to be very practical here on a Sunday morning, but if we practice these things together, if you come to me and say, Jeff, let's try this because I'm not getting anything, that is music to my ears. Anyone who I meet with, my only goal is to lead them back to connection with Jesus Christ. And it's, some of you may be like, oh, now I see what he's doing, because we've met a couple of times. <laughs> but it's good, because that's what God wants. So come back, friends, next Sunday, ready to share via text or via audible voice. That would be beautiful.